Welcome to Season 2 of True Enough. Brandon McCowan and Catherine Duvall are your podcast hosts. This season we will discuss many cases, from missing persons and murder to the paranormal. Every episode brings you true facts and suggested theories. This week's podcast is about the mysterious death of Kanika Jenkins. On September 8th of 2017, Kanika Jenkins was attending a party at the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel with friends celebrating another friend's birthday, as seen on various social media posts from that evening. While they were preparing to leave the party, Kanika's friends had lost track of her whereabouts and could not locate her. Her friends began searching the hotel for Kanika, and after several hours, finally contacted her mother to let her know Kanika was missing. 24 hours after Kanika's disappearance, her lifeless body was found in the hotel's kitchen walk-in freezer. She was found lying face down on her side with one shoe off. To better understand the events of that evening, let's review the timeline. September 8th at 11.30 p.m., Kanika Jenkins leaves her west side home in her mother's car with friends. At first, they plan to go to a movie, but instead decide to head to the Crown Plaza Chicago O'Hare Hotel and Conference Center in Rosemont to attend another friend's birthday party. On the way to the hotel, they stop to pick up a Bluetooth speaker, a bottle of Hennessy cognac, some energy drinks, and some marijuana, the friends later told police. September 9th at 1.13 a.m., Jenkins enters the hotel with three other females. September 9th at approximately 1.30 a.m., Jenkins sends a text message to her sister, according to police reports. The family says that's the last time they hear from her directly. September 9th at 1.36 a.m., a Facebook Live video appears to show the party in a ninth-floor hotel room. The video, now viewed by millions, features a woman in mirrored sunglasses talking to the camera. Reflected in her glasses is the other side of the hotel room, where Jenkins appears to be sitting. Jenkins' voice can be heard in the background. September 9th, 2.17 a.m., Jenkins posts a Snapchat video that appears to show her in the hotel bathroom, according to what her sister told police. Friends say there were about 30 people at the party and that Jenkins spent the time talking with friends, drinking, and dancing. September 9th at around 3 a.m. As friends prepare to leave the party, Jenkins realizes she is missing some belongings, including her phone. She stands in the hallway by a ninth floor elevator while her friends go back into the room to look for her belongings, according to the police report. A friend said it took about 10 or 15 minutes when they returned to the hallway, Jenkins was gone. September 9th, 3.25 to 3.32 a.m., surveillance video, which wouldn't be seen until hours later, shows Jenkins staggering around the hotel by herself, bumping into walls and a stair railing. She lurches through an empty kitchen and disappears around a corner and is never seen alive again. Investigators later learn that the door to the freezer in which Jenkins was found is actually a freezer within a walk-in cooler. 
shuts automatically, but from the inside the door latch can be activated by pushing a white circular handle. September 9th, about 4am, Jenkins' friend calls her mother to ask if she's arrived home and let her know that Jenkins cannot be found at the hotel. September 9th, about 5am, Jenkins' friends return to her mother's home with her mother's car, according to the police report. Friends tell the family they lost Jenkins at the hotel and left after searching for her. September 9th, about 7.15 a.m., Jenkins' mother, Teresa Martin, calls the Rosemount police from the parking lot. By now, she and other relatives and friends have been at the hotel for at least an hour seeking answers about Jenkins. During the call, the dispatcher suggests to Martin that she wait a couple of hours, go home, and relax, and see if her daughter shows up, and advises her to come back to the police if there's no sign of her. Martin expresses her concerns that her daughter has been drinking. She also asks why her daughter would leave her cell phone behind if she's okay. September 9th, 1.16 p.m. Police enter Jenkins into the Law Enforcement Agency's data system, or LEADS, as a missing person and begins searching the hotel. September 9th, 8.29 p.m. Officers are dispatched to the hotel after an employee reports that a Jenkins family member is knocking on doors looking for her. After arriving, the police ask to view the surveillance videos and are shown the video of Jenkins entering the hotel. Police also check room 926 where the party took place and a nearby stairwell and report nothing suspicious. The hotel staff continues to review surveillance videos Officers leave the hotel, but tell the family to contact them with any new information. September 10th, 1223 AM, a hotel worker walks through the empty kitchen, goes into the corner where the freezer is located, just outside of the camera's view, and then summons a police officer, according to surveillance video. Jenkins is discovered in a cooler inside the freezer, lying on her side with her face down. One of her shoes is off. A paramedic finds no cardiac activity and says her body is frozen. September 10th, 1248 AM, Jenkins is pronounced dead. September 10th, about 1.15 AM, police bring Jenkins' mother, who is at the hotel, with about 20 of Jenkins' friends and relatives into a conference room to inform her that Jenkins has been found dead. September 10th, 4.52 a.m., Jenkins' covered body is removed from the freezer on a stretcher. She is wheeled into the empty kitchen where a worker places a blanket over her and removes the covering from her head and face. September 10th, 5.07 a.m., Jenkins' mother and sister, escorted by officials, enter the kitchen to identify the body. They are taken around the corner outside of the camera frame to view the freezer where Jenkins was found. Nearly a month later, the Cook County Medical Examiner's Office ruled that Jenkins' death was accidental and caused by hyperthermia from exposure to cold with alcohol intoxication and the presence of a prescription drug used for treating migraines and epilepsy, listed as significant contributing factors. This ruling caused a great deal of speculation and protests. Kanika's family and friends believe that foul play was involved and that this was no accident.
In an effort to attempt to be transparent, the Chicago Police Department released all of the hotel footage. Unfortunately, this fueled the fire for speculation and massive online communities to reach their own narratives as to what may have occurred. The only common thread was that a young, bright woman with great potential lost her life that evening. The death of Kanika Jenkins, I think this kind of first came to my view basically from like a Reddit stream of all of the conspiracies surrounding her death. I mean, here's a woman who goes to a party in a hotel. And I say woman, but she was 19. She was 19 years old, yeah. Um, which, I mean, she's over 18, but still, I still would think of her as a teenager, I suppose. A young adult. Yeah. Um, but here she goes to a party at a hotel and then is found dead in a freezer. It just doesn't seem like that is a thing that happens. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. I, it's, it's, it's a very sh- strange case. It's, 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 it's very, a, very strange. Uh, and I think that's what has led to what's happened after with people trying to make sense of it in any way possible. I agree. I agree. It just is, it's so odd that that would happen. And I, I empathize with the family a great deal that they just must scratch their heads and think, how in the hell did this happen? How, how is it possible? There had to have been some reason for this. It just can't be coincidental or an accident. That has been their belief. And that is, has been the belief of many in the, in the online sort of, sort of, uh, amateur sleuth community trying to figure out if there's something more nefarious behind this case was there a foul play was there someone responsible or was is there has there been a cover-up involved and i can on on one hand i can kind of understand that this is a case that i have done extensive research on because like the family i thought okay this can't possibly be an accident this it can't possibly be that this girl just ended up in a freezer, passed out or whatever. And I, I got to say, I tried to find something. Yeah. And for me, like looking at the case, I'm, I'm like, what the, the burden of proof I feel for if there is, if there is a conspiracy is the burden of proof is on the person or, or persons or, or group that, that claims there is conspiracy. Please show me the proof that, that, right. that, that it's there. And, and the facts of the case, I feel like that's been found, uh, that's been revealed so far, and it's been three years since, since since this happened. They haven't shown. I feel I feel like they haven't shown that this uh, there is any conspiracy to this or any foul play was. I agree. I agree. I mean, my, the most mysterious part for me is um, the drug that was found in her that topiramide, uh, topiramide, um, also akin to Topamax, usually um, given to people for seizures and. Uh, to prevent seizures and things like that. Not a typical party drug or something like that. It can, you know, if it's given to you while you're drinking, it makes you uh, have vertigo, you're extremely sleepy, you're, you know, it it just, it has all kinds of crazy side effects. Uh, If you're taking it while you're drinking alcohol, it was not a medication that Kanika Jenkins took. So my question is, how did it end up in her system? She did not have prescription for this. So why is it in her system? Right. So, um, and and that also according to her mother, who she lived with, mm-hmm. that she didn't take it. So, 
And as I said, it's not a it's not a party drug. That wouldn't be a drug that you would pass around like GHB or something like that right. at a party. Right. That's uh, and it, it wouldn't be something typically that somebody would put in a girl's drink either. You know what I'm saying? Right. To, for a date rape drug or whatever, I wouldn't think that someone would be would be like, yeah, let me grab for that. But so the question remains, how did that get in our system? Uh, what I have not found is did the police ever determine if anyone at that party was taking that drug? Right. Uh, yeah, I don't know that. Did someone maybe put it in their own drink who was using it and had been for a long time and then set their drink down and she accidentally picked up their drink and drank it? It could be. I realize that uh, sounds like a bit of a stretch. But I, I cannot, for the life of me, figure out how that drug got into her system. I don't think that anyone dosed her or gave it to her on purpose. I think more likely it was someone in someone else's drink and she drank their drink. Right. If someone, I feel like if someone dosed her or gave to her on purpose, they would be... They would have been following her. They would have been following her, tracking right. her movements yeah. um, in, in a way, preying upon her. Right. But we don't see that in the... No, there's of- not one clip on that hotel video of anyone following her there's nobody in any hallways there's nobody there except her right there's there's conspiracy theorists that say oh well somebody was with her in that surveillance video but a they're either edited out by the hotel (laughs) right or the person deliberately stays out of the cameras which would be range. impossible how could they possibly follow her and stay out of all of the cameras range right it doesn't make any sense in the way kanika uh, moves because in the video kanika doesn't follow a direct path no she kind of meanders she, she literally walks into a bathroom and walks out yeah and it, it, she's not led to that bathroom right she's not led anywhere she looks visibly confused in that in the clips uh, she's confused the, uh, she's stumbling she's falling she's over looking stuff. around yeah she's looking around i mean to me it looks like she legitimately was like looking for like the parking garage thinking i'm gonna go outside and wait by the car and get some fresh air and then just took a bunch of wrong turns and perhaps went through into the kitchen and saw a door and was like, oh, there it is. And that turned out to be the freezer. Yeah, I think regardless of how Topiramate was in her system, how it got into her system, uh, what we know about about that is that it doesn't go well with alcohol at all. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, It exacerbates. And if she was already drunk without the Topiramate in her system, this would have exacerbated the drunkness so badly in that she would have been tired, like extremely tired. Leaning against the wall. Leaning against the wall, the confusion, dizziness, which she, if she had already been drinking. Which she exhibits all these signs yes, in the video consistently. You, yes, exactly. I mean, I think it's it's self-evident there that the topiramide had an extreme effect on her. Um, but, I mean, for, for for people to say that the video was edited, I mean, there's no possible way that that video could have been edited and be put back in the proper place for the police to find it. I mean, that's seriously stop watching 007. Right. <laughs> or, or or show me show me the 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 Photoshop tells or the or the video editing tells of It would be impossible to do that. Right. Though. These are hotel workers. They're not people who work for the CIA. Right. <laughs> and this this video was seen not soon enough 
after this happened, but it was it was a couple of days after this happened. That doesn't give the hotel time. No, legitimately to retrieve all the video from all of the cameras. Scrub it of sand it, uh, scrub it out of any mysterious person. Cover it up, re-edit it back together, and get it back to the hotel in like forty-eight hours. Right. It it's literally impossible. It, yeah. It's it's if you play out these conspiracy theories to their logistical ends. Yeah. It it's make just any not. Sense. It's not possible. Yeah. It's not possible. So let's talk a little bit more about the hotel cover-up uh, conspiracy angle. So the island community in this respect says that, you know, early morning around 5 a.m., Teresa Martin and Kanika Jenkins' friends asked the front desk at the hotel if they can look at the surveillance footage, and the staff says they cannot, only for, quote-unquote, police matters. And this requires a missing persons report, etc. Right. I don't think that that's conspiracy theory i think it's a policy that the hotel had i think it's i think it's either policy or 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 protocol not followed like it's well but i also think you're a night clerk at the front desk and an agitated teenager and a mother who is obviously upset are demanding security footage a you're the front desk guy you probably don't have any idea where that footage is or how to get it to them and even if you could, but you also are like, oh my God, I don't even know what to do there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. This and this is the kind of the point. I don't feel like it's it's a conspiracy in any sense, but I feel that the hotel may really be culpable or liable in this case of not giving due diligence to to what, what's happened. But I, uh, I, I disagree. I disagree. I don't think that it would be the policy. To hand over, I don't think I don't think video footage not, of any hotel not, to anyone not, other than a police officer. I'm not saying they would hand it over, but but a security guard certainly at the hotel could have checked that footage. Someone's responsible for security. I, I agree. Who would have access to that video? I, correct. That they could have been contacted. To, yes. Would they have the ability to share that footage? I do not think. I don't so. know about sharing, but they could have. They could have looked for. They could have reviewed. Yes. I, I agree. I think the security of the hotel could have done a bit more. And so, I, so I, that's why I think they're really open to liability in, the, in that sense. I don't think that they're so much open to liability personally, but um, I mean, this is likely something that doesn't happen very often. And I think it was just a bad set of circumstances. I mean, I don't think any hotel is ever prepared for that, but um, I will say moving on to police, I know that Kanika Jenkins' mother did call the police and she was told to just kind of relax for a little bit. Um, no no mother whose child is missing is ever going to relax. Um, I think that, and this is not, this is across the board for almost every missing persons case when we deal with children that we have heard that the police get a call and they hear from a parent my child is missing. They've been gone for six hours, seven hours, 12 hours. They went here. They were supposed to call me. They didn't call me. Routinely, the police have said, oh, just wait by the phone. I'm sure your child is fine. I would like to see kind of a societal movement to readjusting that attitude of police to say, listen, if the parent says my child would not run away. My child would have called me at this time. Something has happened. That the police need to smarten up and say, oh, crap, 
let's get on this, not let's wait six more hours or eight more hours or 10 more hours or 24 hours before we decide to do something about it. I understand that viewpoint. And I, I'm kind of of mixed feelings about, about the police neglect angle. I listened to that phone call that, that Teresa Martin uh, made to the, to the police and the, the police or as you say, they, they sort of are, are not, well, the police, they, they, they do say in that phone call, you can file a missing persons report any time, but they do advise that just giving the situation a little more time to play out, they do advise doing that. It's not made clearly the circumstance that Kanika Jenkins is in, not not picked up by the police from from Teresa Martin and not made clear by Teresa Martin. So the police... What do you, what do you mean? So... The, so in the phone call, the police aren't really asking pointed questions about Kanika Jenkins, about her circumstances. Okay. But also Teresa Martin, like she's she she really focuses on like the friends and the friends might be lying, the friends are doing this, friends are doing that, and but she really doesn't indicate, and the police don't really ask about this. So I'm not saying that one side is old totally culpable and the other side is totally culpable. I'm saying it's a mixed. No, I, I understand yeah, what you're yeah. saying that there are no no specific details were given as to yeah no one's entirely guilt free in this right I, in I this agree, phone call I agree. Of having, and the police don't really inquire about the circumstance of Kanika Jenkins in that she has no cell phone and no car keys so Kanika at that time cannot communicate with her friends right and she cannot leave the hotel by the means she arrived there right which for me if I heard that as a police officer I'd be really concerned and I I would you I would be. I would be. Okay, she lost her car keys. I don't think that that would be. But that, as a police officer, I would be concerned about that circumstance, and I would. Did I she would... lost her car keys and her cell phone. She has no way, reason. She has no. Yeah. No means has... of communicating. Exactly what I said. Yeah. So I I think that in those two parties in the conversation, the police and 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 Teresa Martin both are sort of culpable of not. Getting to the point, getting the information, yeah. or, or relaying the information, or taking the information in, or, or that that they should have, right? About Kanika Jenkins' circumstance at that time. Agreed, agreed. Which which is, is problematic for the whole entire case. No, I, I yeah. agree. I I think there were a lot of things that did not go well. I mean, the footage for the hotel should have been looked at earlier. The police, may, maybe the mother should have been a little bit more direct about what was you know what was happening and what she was concerned with and. Um, things like that. But I think also she was upset and any trained 911 operator understands that someone is calling is almost always upset. So right. let's ask better questions, which the police did, not which do. the police did not do. No. And the 911 operators are trained to do that. Right. So I got to say bad on the 911 operator right yes. there. But I mean, the um, I what time was the uh, the missing person's thing filed uh i think one or on one fifteen the next day oh so the mother was told at the time when she first called that she could file a missing persons exactly thing yeah. but she didn't right i don't know i i don't i've never been in that circumstance so i don't know maybe she wasn't thinking clearly um i, I don't know but um i mean after that phone call they basically go back into the hotel and start doing and start looking around and they're right. knocking on doors and then the then the police are called Again, because she's knocking on all the doors of all of the people on that floor, asking to look in their room for her daughter. Right, so. right. Apparently a fire alarm was pulled. Oh, oh I did that one. I didn't yep. know. Yep. Oh, oh, to see 
if the daughter was going to come. Oh my God. Wow. All right. But I, the mother, I think at this point was desperate. She, she, but if she was so desperate, why didn't she file a missing persons report for right off the bat then? Right. Right. I, yeah, I don't, I, th- I don't understand. I, I think she's wrapped up in, in going back and searching the hotel with, with Kinnick's friends. That leads to my next topic. How responsible, if at all, were her friends for her disappearance well, and demise? I, I got something to say about that. If you're at a party and you are there with a bunch of your friends and a bunch of girls, whatever, one of them is, in, is completely inebriated one of you always stays with the drunk person. You don't leave her out in the hallway to her own freaking devices because they're going to wander. That's what drunk people do. They wander. You don't yeah. you don't oh, yeah. leave somebody outside when there especially when there were plenty of girls there that she was with like four or five other girls. Yeah. One of them could have stayed with her. So I and I think why do her two friends leave her alone in the hallway to go back to the party to get because to get know, her phone and her car keys yeah uh, for, for me i think it's it's almost like the um kurt sova where they, they leave kurt alone because he's well he was only there with one friend right that was a little bit but different. he's totally he's totally drunk he's he's left to he's left because they don't think he's gonna go anywhere because he's so drunk. big mistake huge people never yeah, do yeah. that never so, do so that. i think it's almost the same thing like, like She's so drunk. She's not going anywhere. They, yeah, they probably put her on the ground, put her on the floor, and we're like, yeah. just stay here. She's just like, okay. Yeah, she's not going to move. Yeah, which, but the problem is, then the ele- then the ding, the yeah. elevator door opens, and she's like, hey. Again, again, same. And they, apparently they left her. It's like 15 minutes that they left her. Minutes. That's a long time. Yeah. And so That's not like two minutes. So same thing like we talked about last time with um with Kurt. Uh, if, you, if you're there for like five seconds, you think that's five hours. Yep. You know? Was this friend? Was this neglect by her friends? I don't think it was neglect by her friends so much as it was just stupidity that you don't do that. Just yeah, they just made on. bad choices. They just made bad. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was a bad choice. They just made bad choices. So, agreed. Agreed. So this this sort of angle of you know a conspiracy amongst amongst friends. I don't think that's true. I, think I that's... think it was just bad decisions, bad choices. Yeah, there's they make a lot of hay. In online community, makes a lot of hay about you know this this video. Six minute video with the woman with the mirror, the friend yeah, with the, with the mirror glasses. Yeah. Where you're here, you're you hear Kanika Jenkins in the background saying, I'm not drunk, yeah. and she sounds completely wasted, yeah. And but but that's something that they, a 19 year old says and, when they're drunk, and they're looking like frame by frame, you know, up close yeah, I mean, which video. is not, and they're looking in her mirrored sunglasses to right. see if they can see anything, and you know, I, I that's a bunch of crap. That... I guess what what group of friends after. Kanika disappears in that hour. What group of friends, if they're if they are culpable of of this neglect, would make such a reasonable attempt at searching for her? They within the hour they check the hallways, they check the stairway, they check the bathroom at the lower level, they call Kanika's mother, right? They check the lobby, they check right. the staff, they check with the staff at the reception desk, they check outside, and they do this some of those places. They do it multiple times, right? Like that doesn't sound like no. It, it's they they know that she's wandered off, and they're like, oh, crap. they're concerned for her. Yeah, they're concerned for her. as well. They should be yes. as well. They should be. So this doesn't sound like I do, like, I don't think the friends had anything to do with it. Yeah. I think it was just bad choice. So let's talk about the um the scene. I guess the scene of where she was found. Okay, um, she was found in the freezer. She was she had an abrasion on her foot. The freezer door was not locked. She. Could 
very easily have just pressed that button and opened the freezer. She wasn't locked in there. So I think because she, I don't know exactly how many drinks she had that night either. And I don't, couldn't find anything online um, that was kind of one of her friends saying, Hey, I was with her all night and she only had one beer Mm. or something like that. There was nothing like that um, as to how many drinks she may have had. Um, And for all I know, it's just because really nobody was paying attention to how many drinks everyone was having, um, which would not be a weird thing that nobody would be paying attention to. Regardless, there's definitely, she's definitely, she's definitely intoxicated. And with the Tapiramax in her system, she is confused. She is dizzy, which I think personally, she wandered into the kitchen. It was slightly cooler in there. She opened this freezer door and she was like, oh, it's nice and cool in here. And she kind of probably thought to herself, oh, just sit down for like five minutes. It's so nice and cool in here. And the problem is with a freezer door, is with, an, with a, like an industrial freezer, like in that kitchen, is that they are geared they're built to shut. Yeah, they will. Sh- it's not going to stay open. It's not going to stay open. But and I don't. I don't think they're unless she turned the light on in there. It, it would have been dark. It was pitch black. So she probably. But at the same time, she may at that time may have just kind of sat down and been like, "Okay, I'll just go to sleep here for a little bit. I'm so tired from the topiramax and the booze in her system." It very well could have been either either she was groping to try to find the mechanism to open the door. Or she just sat down, went to sleep, and then passed away from hypothermia. Right. I think it's. I think it's very likely because she was, she was found without a shoe on, and then also I don't. But I don't know if that shoe was her right shoe. But I think it was her right shoe. But I wonder. I, I do wonder if, based on the way she was laying. Okay, that makes sense. I I, I do wonder if she took off her shoe to bang against the door. She's in, she's in pitch black, by the way. She's in well. That, I feel like if that happened, then the shoe would have been closer to her hand. Mm-hmm. It was not. It maybe. was closer to her foot. Right. I feel like she just kind of slumped down, and maybe it just came off. I don't think that. Or she just chucked it. If it's she's if okay, it's, very well could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wonder if. But the, she also didn't. If that were the case, I would think that she would have been pounding on the door. There would have been evidence on her knuckles of her. B- banging on the door because she would have been banging as loud That's as she right. could have been. There would have been some sort of evidence on her hands about that, and there I, was not. Yeah, I was wondering if the if the abrasions on her on her right leg were possibly from kicking the door on her foot. You mean on her foot, or um, on it, her ankle and foot? Yeah. It was that was more. I feel like she possibly could have gotten that while she was stumbling around in the hotel. That's true. Um, I mean, she was running into things. She fell over a railing at one point. She could have done it when she fell over the railing too. Um, I think the the way she was stumbling around that hotel, I'm honestly surprised that she didn't have more injuries. Right. Um, because she was stumbling quite a bit. How her body was found, uh, it really caused her mom to have a lot of questions about, about what state that she was found in. She was found in, you know, partial undress. Uh, she wasn't partially undressed. She had her clothes on. She she, was missing a shoe. Her, her top was undone a little bit. Well, it looked as if when she fell down, it was raised up a right, little, okay, okay. but she, it, I mean, she had all her clothes on. Right. But her shoe, except for her shoe. Except for her shoe. Yeah. Um, and she was like dirty, but I think this is because it's dark in there. Well, it's dark in there and she was stumbling and all over the hotel. She's, yeah. She, but she's, it's, it's dark in there. There's, there's stuff in there. 
Yeah. She's she might be like searching around. Yeah, she's feeling around probably for some way to yeah. get out. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happened in there, but obviously she passed away in there. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's the sad fact of it. It, it, was, it was apparently 10 degrees in that freezer. Um, and hypothermia, especially in her exacerbated circumstance. Yeah, her, I agree. Would, would, it would take over pretty quickly. Yes. Tragic circumstance. It's, I don't know if misadventure is the right word, but obviously it was an accident. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that is kind of where I am with it. I, again, I... I, going into this, I really thought there's got to be there's got to be something here somewhere. Going into the case, I was like, "What are her mother's real concerns about how this was investigated, or is there uh, a suspect behind the set that people aren't investigating, uh, or a group, or anything like that?" No. And, and and looking into this, no, there are accusations made, but where is the? There's nothing. There's no evidence. Yeah. So. And I mean, unfortunately, that I, I we can't go off of anything other than the evidence, and neither can the police. It's a case <laughs> of tragic bad choices that yeah. ended up with an extremely bad result. Yes, agreed, agreed. And once again, folks, unfortunately, I think that is true enough. That is true enough. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of True Enough. This episode was written and produced by your co-hosts, Catherine Duvall and Brandon McCown. Thanks go out to our research and music sources, which are listed in our show notes. If you have questions, comments, or a case you would like us to investigate, you can email us at trueenoughnation at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or on Twitter at enough underscore true. True Enough is distributed through Anchor. You can find us on Anchor at anchor.fm slash true-enough. From there, you can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain production of future episodes. Also, please subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you prefer, and join us in every episode, where we try to determine what is true enough to be believed.